We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. You know, oftentimes, people do not seek Jesus until life confronts them with some situation that they are powerless to fix. Jesus does not turn us away. Jesus is gracious all the time. I'm sure you've been there, skipping along to the beat of the sunshine. Everything is going great, and then the storm clouds start to roll in. And guess who's there? Always available to help. Jesus. We're continuing in the book of John with Pastor Leighton Sheely. He's taking us through the entire book of John in this uh, extended study. And you can find all of our past broadcasts on the web at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. This is an outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. And here's Pastor Leighton. And I want you to note as we read through these passages that in his graciousness, Jesus is willing to meet people at their level of unbelief. Bring about belief and then challenge that faith to grow. We're going to see that in today's passage. Now, Jesus has left Judea in the south, heading towards Galilee in the north. He has to go through Samaria. It's in, that, uh, in Samaria that he meets this woman at the well. And uh, we're now at verse 43 in John chapter 4. After the two days, he departed for Galilee. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast. For they too had gone to the feast. So he came again to Canaan, Galilee, where he made the water wine. And at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that that this was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed and all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Now we know it wasn't the second sign that Jesus had done because... Earlier in the same gospel, while he was in Jerusalem, it tells us that Jesus did many signs. But this is the second sign that Jesus did when he'd come from Judea to Galilee. Now, Jewish people were the primary focus of Jesus' ministry. But as the Samaritans had acknowledged, he was the Savior of the world. Now, Jesus made an interesting statement. A prophet has no honor in his own country. That was basically a colloquialism. That's a a statement that people, you know, use, and, and in general it's true. It's not always true, but it's a kind of a generality. Uh, a similar thing for us would be the statement, familiarity 
breeds contempt. Now, that, when we say that, everybody, that's, everybody understands that colloquialism is not always true, but it's true enough that there's some substance uh, to the statement. And so Jesus said, a prophet has no honor in his own country. Now, his purpose for saying that was to contrast the acceptance uh, by the people of Samaria with the general rejection that he was going to have amongst his own people of Galilee. Now, at first it might seem kind of perplexing that Jesus would say, a prophet's not without honor except in his own country, and then go to his own country. But what he was saying, or what he, was intending, what he intended to say, or mean by what he said, was that, that it would be no surprise for him when he went to his hometown to have rejection, that the people would reject him. Some would accept him, but many would not. Now, the author's statement, so when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, does not mean they received him, Jesus, as their Messiah or as their Savior. On the contrary, they had been in Jerusalem, they had seen him do miracles, so they merely saw Jesus as a miracle worker, and they were curiosity seekers, and they were so glad that he'd come to their town so that he could perform his wonders and they could be well entertained. It would be sort of like uh, receiving the circus when it comes to town. Hey, Jesus is coming to town. The circus is coming to town. Uh, let's receive him. Verse 46. So when he came again to Canaan, Galilee, where he had made the water wine, and at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Now, the second sign of which Jesus gives a report of healing has some interesting features about it. It, it is a healing that takes place at a distance. You see, Jesus spoke the promise in Cana, and the boy was cured in Capernaum. And the distance between the two cities is roughly 15 to 20 miles. Now, this is not the only incident in the scripture of Jesus healing at a distance. There are other examples, such as the healing of the centurion's slave, which is recorded for us in Matthew 8 and Luke 7, and also the Syrophoenician woman's daughter, which is recorded for us in Matthew 15 and Mark 7. Now, some students of the scriptures have suggested that this might be a variation of the story of the healing of the centurion's slave, but when we look at the details, there's so many differences, it has to be two separate events. Now, the word that's translated, basilicus, that's translated, government official, is translated in various ways and various translation. It is translated an official, a royal official, a court official, an officer in the royal service. The word itself could either denote somebody who had royal blood or it could denote somebody who was in the service of a king. And that's what it is understood to mean in all of the translations. Now, the person, the man, was probably a Gentile. He was possibly a soldier or he's one of, one of the administrative officials in the service of Herod Antipas, who was the Tetrarch in Galilee. Now, there are several Herods in scriptures, and sometimes we can get confused. The Herod that ruled at the time that Jesus was born was Herod the Great. And it was Herod the Great that sent his armies into Bethlehem to kill all of the boys two years and under in an effort to kill this newborn king of the Jews. That's not the same Herod that we know of here. This was his son named Herod Antipas. And he had another brother named Herod Philip who ruled on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, Antipas uh, 
did not officially have a title of king. It was not bestowed upon him by Rome, but people oftentimes referred to him as King Herod. And there have been some scholars that have suggested that this person who was not named in this gospel might have been Chusa, who was Herod's steward. That story is found for us also in Luke chapter 8. And Chusa had a wife whose name was Joanna, and Joanna was one of the ladies who supported the ministry of Jesus Christ. And so some people think that this might be a reference to Chusa. Now, Capernaum eventually became one of the centers where Jesus uh, did many ministries. It was the site of many healings, such as the centurion's servant, uh, Peter's mother-in-law, a paralytic, and also with the raising of Jairus' daughter. Now, this royal official came to Jesus because his son was sick in Capernaum, and he'd heard that Jesus had come out of Judea in the south, had come to Galilee. We don't know how he knew that. Uh, He might have been at the wedding. That's probably not the case. Uh, He might have been in Jerusalem, and, and or it might have been that he heard the story from pilgrims who had come out of Jerusalem telling about this Jesus who had cleared the temple and performed all of these miracles. But when he found out that Jesus was coming, he went to Jesus and he implored Jesus to come to Capernaum and heal his son. The word there, implored, is in a continuous tense. He was begging Jesus. Now, you have to get the, the picture of this, a, an official of the royal court coming to a village carpenter and begging him to come and meet a need. You know, oftentimes, people do not seek Jesus until life confronts them with some situation that they are powerless to fix. And this story reveals to us that even when our attention to Jesus is produced by a selfish motivation, Jesus does not turn us away. Jesus is gracious all the time. The official was desperate because his son was at the point of death. Now, there are some weaknesses that this official had concerning Jesus' healing powers Uh, First off, he assumed that Jesus had to be present for the healing to take place. That's why he was saying, Jesus, you need to come to Capernaum. And second, the reason he was so concerned that Jesus come quickly is that he had no faith that if his son died, Jesus could raise him from the dead. That's why he was saying to Jesus, you've got to come while he's still alive and heal him. He wasn't seeking spiritual truth. He was driven by a personal physical and emotional need. Sometimes that's what it takes for us to seek Jesus. And Jesus replied to him, he said, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Now that may sound harsh to us. I think it'll sound less harsh when we understand that the word you there is plural. So he is speaking to the official, but he's not speaking you singular. He's speaking you plural as though that was a representative of the people of Galilee, the typical attitude of the Galileans. This is also the only place in this gospel where the word wonder occurs. It says signs and wonders. Now, because of our training, we look at that and we have a tendency to think that signs and wonders are two separate things. Because of the word and, but actually in the original Greek, uh, the word wonders is being used more as an adjective than it is a separate uh, entity. And so uh, a, a way of translating it would be wonderful signs or wonderful 
miracles. And, and the scholars indicate that the Jesus' use of this word here suggests that people wanted to see the miracles so they could wonder. Now, while the Samaritans had simply heard his word and believed, the Galileans required miracles. They required signs and then wonders to believe. Well, we're going to have to leave it right there and pick up on Monday with the rest of this broadcast. You're listening to Study Verse by Verse, a daily visit from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno featuring the teaching of Pastor Leighton Sheely. He's in the book of John. All of our past broadcasts are available for you to review again or listen to for the first time. They're on the website highlands.us. That's highlands.us. We're also a nonprofit outreach of the church, and you can join with us financially. You can give safely when you go to that website. We're so excited to say that the doors are open at Church of the Highlands, and we would love to see you this weekend. There are multiple service times available, and you can find all the details on the website again, highlands.us. U.S. And when you walk through the doors, let somebody know that you listen to the broadcast. Encourage us in that way. I'm Mike Trout. Have a great rest of your day and weekend. And join us on Monday at this same time when we'll open the Word of God and study verse by verse. This broadcast is paid for by Church of the Highlands in San Bruno.